With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. On the next episode of Expeditiously, please, everybody, welcome Mr. Tyler Perry. What's up? What's, What's going up? on, bro? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, and your meteoric rise, man, to success uh, has not come without some level of criticism. Some? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you being polite. Tyler Perry, the next episode of Expeditiously with T.I. My sacrifice comes on the end because it's part of my catalog. Okay. So that's where my value is. It's not, I'm not making the money up front. It's in the long game, right? right? So if you go in and you're looking for the bag, then great. You go buy your Bentley, your Rolls Royce, great. That's all. It's over with. That's wonderful. You had it, but, but then what you've done is signed it all away. Right. They own you. And they're never going to give you an opportunity to be in that position. Again. Don't miss the next episode of Expeditiously with special guest Tyler Perry. The episode drops Thursday, March 19th. Expeditiously with T.I. Now available on Spotify, the podcast on app and Apple Podcasts. Is Magia really dead? That's it, man. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. Welcome to the program on this Thursday, final hour, Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick Show. We've covered a lot of ground today. We'll talk some March Madness. Today would have been the opening round. Our poll question, if you got to watch only one, the Super Bowl, or the first four days of the tournament, which would you pick? McLovin, update the poll results from the first two hours. Basically, 70% said they'd rather watch the tournament rather than the Super Bowl. Yeah, a little recency bias and the fact that you would be making excuses to stay out of work. You don't need to make excuses to stay out of work. Final hour coming up, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. I also watched the Christian Leitner documentary last night, and I you know, kind of stumbled on the topic, and people have picked up on it. Best tournament basketball game of all time, and I said that Kentucky-Duke game that uh, Leitner hit the shot in. That's, to me, the greatest basketball game, tournament game, that I've ever seen. And people brought in some other ones. You know, you've had NC State at the buzzer against North Carolina, or North Carolina State against Houston. I didn't think that was a great game, 
I think that was a great coaching clinic put on by Jim Valvano. And with no shot clock going against Spy Slamma Jamma, Jim Valvano now coached Guy Lewis to win a national championship. But it was a great play at the end. And that's why, you know, Leitner's play at the end, it's a great play. And a lot of times we think a great game is a great ending. But that was back and forth. Kentucky had no business staying with Duke because that was a great Duke team. But give credit, you had, you know, Jamal Mashburn and a cast of characters there, and you had a great coach and Rick Pitino going against Mike Krzyzewski and uh, Duke. But that was that was a great game. I think it was 104-103 in overtime. But there have been a lot of games. You know, when uh, Bird and Magic played, that wasn't a great game. Uh, Indiana State did not play a great game. Bird didn't play a great game either. Michigan State was the better team. But that was a signature moment for college basketball. Like the modern era of college basketball where we ushered in Magic and Bird and you put them on opposite coast and they would meet, you know, for a couple of championships there. But I still think UCLA, Houston, 1968 uh, in the Astrodome. To me, that's the most important basketball game of all time because they actually showed that in prime time, which was unheard of back then. Yeah, Paul. If you go back three years ago when UMBC, they're the 16th seed and the beat number one seed Virginia, I always thought what hurts that game legacy-wise, long-term-wise, is that it wasn't a close game. I think it was a 20-point loss. The second half was kind of a, oh, by the way, you, Virginia was handled by UMBC. Oh, yeah. It, that game, it needed to be a buzzer beater or a close game or overtime to make it more legendary. And, and that's why Loyola got more attention. Loyola Chicago got more attention for their run than UMBC got for their 16-seed win. Yeah, you look at you know some of these finishes, and that doesn't make it a great game. Yeah, you know, when UConn played Syracuse in that what was that seven overtime game? Was it Eric Devendorf? Yeah, he hit a shot that would have won the game, and then they went back and reviewed. Remember, he jumped up on the scores table, and he uh, they went back and reviewed it, and they said I uh, didn't get it off in time, and they continued to play deep into the night. Some phone calls here coming up, final hour. Uh, by the way, we are going to have our Meat Madness brackets ready for you on Monday. We'll get ready. that You'll vote on this on, uh, on the website at danpatrick.com. Mario's done a great job. We have 32 songs that made the bracket, but I'm told that we will have a play-in game tomorrow. Two songs, and one will get into the, uh, the big bracket, uh, the, the big dance, as they like to say. So that'll be tomorrow, and the audience will be voting on this. We just had a one seed where we had a uh, take on Notorious B.I.G., and that's probably going to make it in as a one seed. Some phone calls here. Uh, let me get to Jeff in uh, Detroit. Hi, Jeff. What's on your mind today? Hey, what's going on, Dan? I'm trying to make sure that I don't need to jump off the balcony real quick. First of all, you get rid of Darius, you know, Darius Slay, gone. Yeah. Then you pick up, you know, your first move in free agency is to give a backup lineman $50 million. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, you know, it, it seems like they're on their way to finding the banana peel right before the third pick and just slipping on it and, and, and coming out the wrong end of it. My question to you is this. What would be the worst or how could they mess it up? Because I can see, you know, Chase falling to us. I'm hoping that it'll happen. But in, in your opinion, you know, what would be worst-case scenario for the third pick for Detroit? Oh, well, you might you might take a defensive back. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're Detroit, do you take a wide receiver that high? 
You know, what I they need help. So I don't I don't know if you can sit there and go, boy, we're gonna find all the answers. If I'm Detroit, you know, do I trade out of that? Can I get somebody who wants to come up there? Because somebody's gonna go up and get either Tua, Herbert, or Love. I just I get that feeling somebody is going up. Question is how high can you go up? And uh, I, I think that's the interesting part of this is who's desperate enough to go up there and get one of these quarterbacks? McLevin, do you have a new poll question? Uh, yeah, I have a question. Uh, today is the first day of tournament. If you were going to fill out your brackets, if I gave you the top eight teams, who are you going to have as a champion? Or is that an unfair question? Right that's now? unfair. I just said that uh, – and thank you, McLevin. Uh, by the way, McLevin joining us via Skype, so we've had some technical issues all morning long, so we apologize for that. But – um, I wanted the brackets released just, you know, and I know people say, oh, that's, uh, you know, that hurts even more if you're Dayton or San Diego State. I just, I'd be curious what those brackets look like. That's all. And then it would give us some things to talk about here with college basketball and what could have been. I mean, it's not college basketball's fault, you know, but it, it would allow us to talk about the sport. And this time of the year, you know, we want to talk about the sport. And that would be a fun thing to just go, what if? Uh, and, it, look, I'm, I didn't have my last season taken away from me because, you know, of what happened like these kids did. But I I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm in the minority, but I'm thinking, yeah, it would be great. It would be great to see it. <laughs> yeah, Paul. We go. It goes back to if, you're, if I played for Dayton or one of those schools that was up there, I would do anything, play in a summer league playing a pickup game, have, just film anything. Get get a bunch of Duke guys and Dayton guys together and play a, play a game and just can't get together. Get a charity involved. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see Dayton play Kansas. Or San Diego State gets in there and then somebody else. We can host it here in our man cave. No fans, just like for the AUAA. By the way, tonight at 7 Eastern, the championship game of the American Unathletic Association of America. And uh, we're waiting. We're going to have season two of the AUAA, but uh, probably a little bit later on uh, as we get closer to uh, the summer. Brett in North Carolina joins us. Hey, Brett, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Dan. Morning, Brett. I just wanted to, I just wanted to chime in. Uh, my senior year at Indiana University, 1987, uh, Key Smart, hit the shot against Syracuse, and I hope Paulie kind of has my back and uh, gives me a little bit of props on that. All right, yeah, that was a great moment. But we're looking at, you know, there were great games is what I talked about with Duke and uh, Kentucky. Great moments, we've had a lot of those in the tournament. But I was just talking about the greatest game that I ever saw. And, uh, you know, with the storylines with Kentucky and Duke, uh, I, you know, I would say that that was. When Bird played Magic, it wasn't a great game. It was an important game, but it wasn't a great game. Tommy in Florida joins us. Hey, Tommy. Hey, man. Six six foot one eight five. Mm-hmm. Great show, DP. Thanks. Uh, my but the three games that I, that jumped out to me, and I was not a Duke fan, but they were all Duke games. I agree with you. The Duke Kentucky by far all the way through start to finish was fantastic. The uh, the other there were two more. Duke UNLV, when they beat UNLV the year after they got destroyed by UNLV, was a great game all the way through. And then one was a regular season game, and it was when Duke went, and and I didn't watch the, I know these are all on the the Leitner thing, but when Duke went into, I actually remember watching this game, when Duke went into Michigan 
to play the Fab Five in the regular season. That was an edgier seat game, and I think it went into like a couple overtimes, if I'm not mistaken, or it was a buzzer beater or something like that. All right. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah, that was a big deal when Duke took on the Fab Five. You know, it was the establishment against the anti-establishment, and that was a big deal. I don't think it was a buzzer beater. Can you guys look on uh, Michigan uh, when Duke went in there and played when Leitner was there? Oh, in the regular season? Yeah. That was, I think it went overtime and Michigan lost in overtime. Yeah. I remember Michigan lost. Not a buzzer beater. No. And then Michigan lost in the tournament. They lost, I think, 77-71 at UNC. Yeah. In the tournament. Yeah. In the final game. Um, let's see. A couple other uh, phone calls here. Brian in Texas. Hey, Brian, what do you have for me today? Um, uh, 2.14. Brian, do you forget how much you weigh? No. (laughs) Sorry. All right, 6.2, 2.14. There you go. I was distracted (laughs) for a second. Listen, certainly not the the greatest game ever played, but the most significant game and the most important game ever played was 54 years ago today. March 19th, 1966, Texas Western over Kentucky. I I, I would put it up there. I, I understand what you're saying. The significance of an all-black starting five and taking on, you know, that that was the establishment with the anti-establishment where, uh, you know, Don Haskins started uh, all, you know, starting five was black. Kentucky was all white. That was, that was very significant. You know, this, they, they, it's like when USC played Alabama in football at Alabama and all of a sudden Bear Bryant went, um, I think I need to get some African-American players down here. Because he saw what USC had, and, uh, you know, that changed. That helped change the SEC and college football. But Texas Western, that was a significant game as well. Like, there's three of them now. Prime time, the UCLA-Houston game, and then prior to that, Texas Western against Kentucky, and then Bird Magic. Those were all very important games. I'm with you on that, and that's a, that's a great call. Dave and Dayton joins us. Hey, Dave and Dayton, how are you? Hey, how's it going today, Dan? Good, sir. Five ten one ninety. I would sort of a, a great game that I remember is that sort of gets forgotten uh, was an eighty nine uh, championship run by Michigan over Seton Hall. That was a back and forth game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, but uh, didn't Michigan get some help there in that game? Feels like right, Seton. Yeah. Right, Seton O'Connor. The lamest foul call of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for ruining Seton for the final hour of the show. John Cloggerty. Yeah. Keep your head up. And <laughs> Mary is crying. <laughs> like a, and my dad going, it's only a game. It's just a game. It's trying to, we're all, me and like my brother, my mom and dad, everybody, we're all like, ah, so it's only a game. Your middle name is Seton after yeah. Seton Hall. Yeah, he was just trying to be like calm about everything. Like, no, it's cool. Don't worry about it. We're all bawling. But I'm so sorry. It's only a game. Can you imagine there's some little kid in Ann Arbor named Ted Wolverine Smith on the other side of that, you know? But his, your brother's middle name is Rutgers, right? Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? David. Yeah. David Rutger. Yeah, David Rutgers. Yeah. Rutgers Howard O'Connor. <laughs> Right. Uh, let me see. Some more phone calls coming up. Uh, there's some interesting notes here on uh, what the Bears have done with Nick Foles. 
You know, there's the really good Nick Foles, and then there's really questionable Nick Foles. But the Bears, that gives you an idea that, uh, you know, where the Bears are with Mitchell Trubisky. You know, he suffered a broken collarbone for the second time since 2014, and he's behind an offensive line that struggled in 2019. Um, He doesn't get a whole lot of time to throw behind that offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, less than uh, two and a half seconds. He was great for uh, a little while with the Eagles, won the Super Bowl. But in 16 starts outside of Philadelphia, split between the Rams, Chiefs, and Jags, Nick Foles is 5-11, 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. When he's good, he's really good. And when he's not, it could be trouble. But if that's your answer there, and maybe you're just getting a guy who's a better game manager than Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe that's all this is about. NFL Network's uh, Ian Rappaport reporting the Chargers not expected to pursue a veteran quarterback after missing out on Tom Brady. I guess Brady said to Tampa and the Chargers, this is what I want. I, I want to have a two-year deal, and I want it to be for $60 million, and I want to have a role in personnel decisions. If you're the Chargers, how do you let Tom Brady get off the phone? without agreeing to a deal. Unless he just wanted them as leverage, but you were going to get that from either team. Both teams have already said, hey, we understood what the parameters were, and and everybody was amenable to this. There There are reports of this that both had the same offer, and Brady decided to take Tampa instead of the Chargers. But if you're the Chargers, I just think you got to say, I know that's what Tampa's offering you, What will it take? We want to know. Tell us what you want, and we'll give it to you. Yes, he But don't you think there's probably a little bit of a mental game with the Chargers saying, well, we have to get rid of Rivers because he's too old. I mean, he's 38 now, but we're going to upgrade with the 42-year-old Tom Brady. But do you think Brady's an upgrade over Phillip Rivers? I don't know. I do. I would think. He's got an arm. But don't you think that that's got to be a little strange? We have to get rid of this guy because he's too old, so let's bring in Tom Brady. Details, details, details. Yeah. But I would I would say that Brady's an upgrade. Absolutely. The Chargers are going to go with Tyrod Taylor and probably a rookie quarterback for 2020. And I'm fine with that. So Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston are probably going to be backups somewhere in the NFL. The question is, what does Belichick do? Does Belichick want either one, you know, either of those three? Cam, Andy Dalton, or Jameis Winston? I can't imagine. I can't imagine Jameis Winston in a Patriot uniform. I just can't. Like he would probably throw interceptions during warmups. You know, defensive backs would swoop in and pick off a couple of his passes. Uh, yeah, here's Albert Breer. Uh, the two teams involved, Buccaneers and Chargers, were both amenable to those conditions that Brady wanted: two-year commitment, backed by guarantees. Ask was sixty million but allowed for creativity. This wasn't all about money. He wanted to give his new team financial flexibility as well. So, no. The uh, Houston Texans gave their side of the story with DeAndre Hopkins because DeAndre Hopkins gave his side of the story to Michael Irvin. We'll talk about that. More of your phone calls coming up next right here on the Dan Patrick Show. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. 
It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. What's happening, everybody? This is the official Lakers podcast. I'm your host, Mike Trudell. Super pumped to be here, flanked by Aaron Larsoul. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's get it. I think the Lakers will be a top 10 defense. Can you call in your shot again? A team that has two stars or two superstars in this case, as LeBron and AD, can sometimes cancel each other out. But I think they're both good candidates for MVP. I really like the way that this team just feels to be around. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it's, a, it's a very clear message. It's two stars, LeBron and AD, and it's everybody else that's on board. The relationship that is developing between those two off the court and on the court, their cohesiveness on the court, I think in this case this is a special case that the two of them will enhance each other as opposed to taking away from each other. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. says he's got a hot pole question. Nice. Yeah. What is your hot pole question for the final hour here? Which one of the following players will be on the Buccaneers next season? (laughs) Which one of the following players will be on the Buccaneers next season? Todd Gurley, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald. I think two of those will make it. Two of those players will be, yeah, the Rams are trying to see if they can uh, unload Todd Gurley's contract. I think Brandon Cooks is also another player they're looking at trying to unload his contract. Yeah. Rams need some help here because they, they're they in salary cap hell there. Julian Edelman is going to turn 34. I just don't see Gronk coming back to play. Antonio Brown, he needs a home. He might be the most likely out of that yeah, whole group yeah. is Antonio Brown. <laughs> Got free time. Yeah. I just, if if I'm Arizona and Larry Fitzgerald's playing one year, then like, you don't need wide receivers. It'd be nice if Larry got a chance to play in a meaningful game. Uh, it's been a long time. But I, I see Antonio Brown as a possibility, and I don't know who is possibly looking at Todd Gurley. I, I haven't seen any reports of who the Rams are going to trade him to. Do they cut him? Because that, that may be what happens. They cut Todd Gurley. And it goes back to what I say about running backs. I mean, Derrick Henry was spectacular. I just don't want to pay him four or five years. I just, I don't. Ezekiel Elliott, nice, you know, unbelievable. But uh, not now. I don't, I don't want to tie up that kind of money with my running back. And Carolina's probably going to get into that with Christian McCaffrey at some point. All right, I've been looking at these over-unders here, and I find it there are two teams, according to Vegas, Double-digit wins um, over-under. Ravens at 11 over-under. Saints at 10. And I believe uh, Kansas City at 11 and a half. So three teams have uh, double-digit win totals, uh, according to Vegas. I'm looking at the worst teams because somebody is going to be the worst team and have the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence. Bengals at 5. Jags at 5. Dolphins six. Where are my Redskins? I know they're on here. Uh, Washington at five. 
Those are your uh, your bad teams right now. The Browns are at eight over under. Cowboys are nine and a half. Let's see if there's anything else interesting on here. Packers nine. Colts eight and a half. Even with the addition of Philip Rivers, where are the uh, the Buccaneers? Buccaneers nine. I don't know with Tommy. I'm going to go nine. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go nine and a half wins for the Buccaneers. I don't want to commit to ten. I'm going nine and a half wins. All right, so thanks to McLovin for uh, sending those to me. Let me get uh, a couple more phone calls in here. Phil in Colorado. Hey, Phil, what's on your mind? Well, I was just thinking about the NCAA basketball tournament in 1983. I had the privilege of being in the pit in Albuquerque, 18,000 seat stadium, so it was real intimate. Yeah. First Saturday, uh, Larry Brown sat right in front of me. And uh, being from Colorado and having this former Denver Rocket, Denver Nugget coach sit in front of me was, I, I didn't think it could get any better. Well, that's cool. I appreciate the phone call, Phil. Yeah. Albuquerque, New Mexico, when Jim Valvano was searching for somebody to hug after they won. I mentioned that um, there's some uh, there's some laundry here, some dirty laundry with DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien with the Texans. Because we wondered, you know, why you make that trade? Well, I was told that they were making the trade, that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be traded in the offseason. question is, where was he going? We thought that if you're going to trade him, that you're going to get equal value in return. And they didn't, in my opinion. Uh, keep this in mind. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, and he was letting people know, if I'm the best wide receiver in football, why am I not paid as the best wide, wide receiver in football? Why does Julio Jones make whatever, 8 to $10 million more than me? Well, the Texans are getting their side of the story out. Uh, Diana Rossini had this tweet that Hopkins wanted 18 to $20 million. Now, you can argue, does is he worth it? You know, Are wide receivers worth it? It feels like you can find running backs and you can find wide receivers. Who is the most special wide receiver in the game? Julio Jones was a couple of years ago, but not now. Michael Thomas from New Orleans, you can make the case that he's as valuable to his team as anybody is. Hopkins is a great player, but... 18 to 20 million, you're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson. Uh, you already paid J.J. Watt. Like, you're, you're tied up in some contracts here. Uh, let's see. Uh, the team told Hopkins, uh, was told Hopkins was not showing up if he did not get that deal. So Houston moved on. Uh, I was, you know, told as soon as this happened, I reached out to a source. I said, you know, help me understand this and said, uh, Bill O'Brien has the short fuse. And uh, that uh, DeAndre Hopkins was known as a PIA, pain in the ass. Now, still a great player, but that was the word, you know, on the street within NFL circles there. Then you got this uh, story that came out with Michael Irvin saying DeAndre Hopkins told him he had to sit down with Bill O'Brien, and he's saying some things to Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien said, the last time I had this kind of conversation was with Aaron Hernandez. And I'm going... I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins has been involved in anything off the field. And then allegedly brought up that DeAndre Hopkins and his baby mamas. I'm thinking, oh, boy. 
No, that's Michael Irvin who's saying that. DeAndre Hopkins then came out and said, hey, it's being blown out of proportion. He didn't say it wasn't <laughs> wasn't true. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I wanted to know. It wasn't true. I mean, we do blow it out of proportion. But either tell me if it was said or not said. That's what I want to know. But Bill O'Brien has the short fuse. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins asking for that money. Hey, if you don't pay me the money, I'm not going to show up for camp. And then they decided to move on. You got to get more. It feels like for DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if Arizona knows this. Arizona agreed to do that. That you know, if I'm DeAndre Hopkins and you send me to Arizona, hey, just so you know, I want to get this. And so, probably not the best way to walk into a new team. But if that's the case, then we're going to find out if uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get his money. Who is the highest paid wide receiver? Is Julio Jones? And, and do we look at contracts with wide receivers the way we do quarterbacks where, hey, next man up gets more money? Because I don't think so. Quarterbacks we do. Running backs we have. But when it comes to wide receivers, yeah, I'm pulling. Odell, $18 million. Mike Evans, 16 Hopkins, 16 My, uh, Michael Thomas is up there now. He's at 18 and over 18 And where's Julio? Checking. Checking on it. Hmm. Well, OBJ is overpaid. Uh, Thomas has he's extremely valuable. Um, yeah, I just it feels like you can get these receivers somewhere, and you got a lot of receivers coming in this draft as well. Yeah, Paul Julio Jones. It's 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 all over the place. His money this year he's going to make between you know, bonuses, everything, everything. Yeah. I got him at eighteen and a half million dollars. Okay. Yeah, so, and what was Hopkins making before this? Was he making? Like 14. Oh, okay. I mean, come on. He's not underpaid that much. And if you want a new, he's 27. How many more years did he have on this contract? Because if I'm Houston and, and he had like two years left, then I'd say, easy here. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, he had three years left on yeah, his well, deal. come on. And 12 million, 13 million, 13, 14 million. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I understand. If and Look, get something in return that can help you. Not a running back who probably won't even start for you. Yeah. All right. A couple more phone calls in here. Uh, Christy in New York joins us. Hi, Christy. Hi, Dan. How are you this morning? Great. Great. Good. Good. I wanted to share, well, first time, long time. I got 59135. Um, wanted to share... <laughs> My favorite um, NCAA moment, which was in 1998 in the Final Four, and unfortunately my running youth with Rick Majerus uh, lost against Kentucky in the Wildcats. All right. Uh, I love Rick Majerus. God rest his soul. Thank you, Christy. Keith Van Horn was uh-huh. on that team. Didn't they have, like, Michael Doliak? Ooh, nice. Was that his name? And didn't they have uh, oh. Andre Miller? Was that his name? The guard? Crushing it. Yeah. Hanna Matola or whatever. Oh. Hanna Matola. He's a fan of the show, by the way. I get notes from him. Well, of course he is. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Why wouldn't he be a fan of the show? Uh, Todd. Hi, Todd. Todd in North Carolina joining us. Hi, Todd. Hey, Dan. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you, Todd. Uh, one of my favorite recollections, and this is dating me, it wasn't actually the NCAA tournament, but it was the ACC tournament in 74. NC State beat Maryland in triple overtime back when only one team could go to the NCAA tournament. Yep. If Maryland had won that game, 
David Thompson and Tommy Burleson wouldn't have played UCLA, and UCLA may have ended up with another NCAA championship. That's a great call. Thank you, Todd. I love David Thompson. He was spectacular. He was – He was. that's one of the, the first guys I saw where at 6'4", he could take on big men. And, you know, David missed out on the TV era, but he was so exciting. And I remember that NC State game against UCLA, and UCLA just goofed around and let NC State hang around. And then NC State with Norm Sloan, I believe, as their head coach, but uh, beat UCLA with Bill Walton. And that was a good UCLA team, but David Thompson was unbelievable. He was one of my favorite college players. He Now, that's when you watch a guy jump and you go, oh, my God. Now, there's guys who can leap, but David Thompson, I think his vertical was 44, 45 inches. Uh, Bob in Florida. Hey, Bob, what do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. Uh, 6'3", 242. So, I got two games. One was the Butler-Duke, Gordon Hayward lip out on the bank shot yeah. at the end. And, and the other one is not a tournament game. Was You just talked about uh, UCLA in 74. And that would be Notre Dame upsetting UCLA and breaking the 88-game win streak. Yep, so. yep. That was, uh, that was a rough day because I was a big UCLA fan growing up. And I don't know why other than, I guess, because I'm like any other kid. Hey, let me root for the team that always wins. But I, I just that UCLA went into Notre Dame. And Digger Phelps did a great job. Digger Phelps, an actually underrated college coach, Hall of Famer, great coach, great coach, and loved, loved taking on John Wooden. Yeah, Paul. If we're going to bring up the topic of NCAA tournament pain, as a youngster in Chicago, I like DePaul University basketball when they're really good. They went into the tournament a couple times, I think, undefeated. In 81, they had Mark Aguirre. They were undefeated, number one overall seed in the tournament. And you know this, they lost to St. Joseph's because a player for DePaul missed a few free throws late in the game. I was at the game. Uh, I was oh at the University of Dayton Arena. Yeah, at the Dayton Arena. And Didn't Mark Aguirre walk back to the hotel in his uniform? He got the ball out of the net. I think it was a guy named John Smith from St. Joe's who made a layup at the buzzer. And the story was Mark Aguirre got the ball out of the net and walked out of the arena, full uniform, and walked back to the uh, Marriott, which is about a mile or so away. But that was always the you know, because they came in as the number one team. Because you had uh, Clyde Bradshaw, Terry Cummings. You had you had a stacked team there. Ray Meyer. Yeah, Paul. And the kid who missed the free throws for DePaul was named Skip Dillard. Yeah. He was one of the leading free throw shooters in the country and led DePaul that year. I don't remember it. It doesn't no, it's not as full of my heart. Oh, God. It doesn't hurt that much anymore. Wild. Uh, Nick in Rhode Island joins us. Hi, Nick. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan, what's up, man? Long time fan. So I got a couple games that are of recent timing. Uh, I was born in 1990, so this is the Millennials uh, Classic. Uh, 2008 National Championship, Kansas versus Memphis. Uh, Memphis was basically had the game locked up. They choked it away. Derek Rose missed some free throws. Mario Chalmers tied it up, brought it into overtime. That was classic. For some reason, I don't think it gets talked about enough, probably because Memphis vacated all their wins. <laughs> That's true. Uh, another one was uh, 2010. I think it was Xavier, Kansas State. There was uh, double overtime, Sweet 16. I know Jordan Hamilton uh, or Jordan Crawford hit like a game high in three. That was crazy. That was another one. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for the phone call there, Nick. Yeah, they're, 
You know, it's interesting, though, what games resonate with certain fans. Um, but I was just talking about, you know, the the Duke-Kentucky game. That That's the best game I ever saw. Now, not the most important one, because Texas Western beating Kentucky in 66 was the most important game, along with UCLA against Houston in a primetime game at the Astrodome. Because I don't think a basketball game had ever been played in a venue that large. Because, you know, coaches back then, they wanted an intimate setting. They wanted to have a home court advantage. And now, look, look at Rupp Arena. That's 24,000 in there. I don't know if there's a bigger arena that's used by a team on a regular basis like Rupp Arena. You know, Duke, you go to Cameron Indoor. That's a home court advantage. Like that, that's what, the, you know, the coaches used to want. You wanted that intimacy there. You want the fans right on the court. And... uh now, you know, we kind of sterilized a lot of college basketball. You know, even Madison Square Garden, there is a home court advantage. There's an intimacy to the garden. But still, that's probably 18,000, 19,000 that you put in there for college basketball games. More phone calls coming up. Imagine being invited to an old-timers game, and you're not old. That story's next here on the Dan Patrick Show. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. GEICO.com. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now back to the show. Imagine you're invited to an old-timers game, and you're 33 years of age. (laughs) That happened to Phil Hughes. Uh, It's unclear who is uh, the youngest retired Yankee to ever participate in an old-timers game, but Hughes would probably be the youngest. The Yankees actually have seven players on their roster that are older than Phil Hughes. you got... One guy who's 40, and then you got a couple of guys who are 37, a couple of 34. But Phil Hughes at the age of 33. Could you show up for an old-timers game, and then they actually ask you to pitch a couple of innings? Gosh, 33 years of age. Is Phil Phil Hughes is out of baseball? Phil Hughes has only been out of baseball for like 18 months. He was on the, uh, on a roster <laughs> pitching in 2018. He's probably like bounced around the minor league somewhere. He gets something in the mail from the Yankees. He's like, oh, the Yankees, hey, they're reaching out to me. Would you like to come to our old-timers game? I think they need somebody to pitch. I think that's what it is. You know, you want to get somebody out there who's young who can uh, can throw. I had a couple uh, couple more phone calls. By the way, audience did a great job with the uh, greatest college games and uh, memorable games for you because today would have been the uh, opening of the tournament here. Scott in Minnesota joins us. Hi, Scott. What do you have for me? Big Dan, 58225. I uh, I think back to uh, 1989, the battle in Seattle, uh, flying Illini versus Michigan. 
Illinois had just beat Michigan twice in the regular season. About two weeks before on senior night in Michigan, I think they won by about 17. Sean Higgins? You got it. Sean Higgins hitting that shot with one second left, gets the rebound over Nick Anderson, puts it back up. And those teams had, you know, Kendall Gill and Kenny Battle and Nick Anderson and Steve Bardo for Illinois, and you had Glenn Rice and Ramil Robinson and Lloyd Vaught and uh, Sean Higgins for Michigan. That was a hell of a game. Yeah, it was, and a lot of great talent. Thanks for the phone call. But you had guys who were staying three and four years. Like, those days are long gone. We're not going to have those where you have that much talent stay for that amount of time. Yeah, Paul. Any chance, though, the NCAA could be in a weird way better if they get rid of the one-and-done rule and the five or six best high school players go directly to the pros? But I don't think you can make kids stay in college basketball. You couldn't do a rule like? I don't think so. Like, I, that's what I would hope they would do is if you go to college, you have to stay a minimum of two years. But I just I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh I don't know if they can do that legally. I mean, maybe, but who knows with the NCAA. McLovin, are you back with us? I'm back via phone, old school technology. I'm not going to let go of these poll results, Dan. Okay. I am the poll result guy. Okay. So who is most likely to be a buck next season? Julian Edelman, 37%. <laughs> then Antonio Brown, 33%. Okay. Thank you, McLovin. All right. Uh, we'll come back to you for uh, what you what you learned today. Paulie, this day in sports history. This day in sports history, Dan. Uh, 1966, the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. Texas Western beats Kentucky. Miners got their first mm. ever title. Mm-hmm. And also this day in sports history, Michael Jordan returns to the Chicago Bulls after two years of retirement, almost two years. He scored 19 in a loss to Reggie Miller and the Pacers. Marvelous Marv Albert on the call. Yeah, Mike didn't have a good game. I like how we make it seem like Mike hit every game-winning shot. You know, he never had bad games. Because when LeBron does this, it's like, oh, Michael never would have done that. Michael never did that. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Yeah, I know. Michael, LeBron does it all the time. Michael never did that. Ted in Florida joins us. Hi, Ted. Yeah, ATC, uh, I was at the uh, UK-Texas Western game at uh, College Park, Maryland. That was a team that Pat Riley played on. Yes, he Pat jumped, Riley, he jumped center. Yeah, Riles jumped center. He could out jump Thad uh, Jaraz, uh, who is our uh, playing center. But, uh, you know, the, the game was key for several reasons. Remember, the very next year they outlawed dunking because they saw the way Texas Western played. They outlawed dunking. You had to take the ball up over the rim and drop it through. I thought that they did that because of – now, did they uh, – and thanks for the phone call, Ted. Good for you. have a memory like that. I, did they allow Wilt Chamberlain to dunk when he was in Kansas because – uh, Lou Alcindor wasn't allowed to dunk at UCLA. Yeah, Paul. If you watch the Kansas highlights with Will Chamberlain, it appears that dunking wasn't a thing yet. I know it had happened earlier, but if you watch him, he finger rolls a lot of stuff in. He, he used the backboard and he used a lot of finger rolling. Well, they called him the Big Dipper, which I always found kind of an interesting nickname, the Big Dipper. Then he was Wilt the Stilt. But, yeah, I think that actually not having the dunk helped Lou Alcindor. He developed that sky hook. And or perfected it, and if if not, then he probably would have done. You know, Wilt never had a good shot, never had a signature shot. He just powered right by everybody. Uh, Andrew in North Dakota. Hi, Andrew. Hey, how's it going, Dan? Uh, six two and a half, two ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a great 
basketball memory and then a suggestion from McLovin for maybe tomorrow on a poll question. Poll question would be, does Tom Brady take Chris Godwin's number 12 yes. or does he take number 10 and go back to his Michigan days? And, no, and, no, 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 and, no, no. He's got to do TV 12. He's got to have 12. He's got to be TV 12, right? But, I mean, uh, he, he may want to flip the page. He may want to have a new chapter and get away from Belichick and no, no, you don't want to rebrand. But thank you, Andrew. Yeah, if if I'm Chris Godwin, I send it to Brady right now. I meet him at the airport when he comes in. You want you Brady's going to want number twelve. And you know what? Maybe he'll make a nice donation to Chris Godwin charity there or something. Bobby in Ohio. Hi, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. See you, Bobby. Charlie Weiss, former Patriots offensive coordinator, was on with uh, our buddy Jason Smith, and he had this to say about Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers better be ready for a change in the locker room of leadership by, by a veteran player like this because this guy will be on a mission. He's always had a chip on his shoulders. In his entire career, I've had a deal with him and his chip on his shoulder. <laughs> and trust me, that chip didn't get any smaller, him leaving New England. As a matter of fact, the chip might have gotten even bigger. That's Charlie Weiss on uh, the Jason Smith Show. Uh, the reason why I love the Buccaneers so much this year, six of Tampa Bay's nine losses last year came by eight points or less. In the six losses, in six of those losses, Jameis Winston had a total of 12 turnovers. So all you got to do is clean it up, and uh, you're going to add, you're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, Paul. This just in, Dan, from Adam Schefter. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have agreed to terms with wide receiver Bryant Mitchell on a one year deal. Oh, uh, sorry. Well, thank you. That's a great <laughs> build up there, knucklehead. <laughs> agreed with wide receiver A. a-, a- Brian Antonio. Todd, what did you learn on today's program? I learned that McLovin is here in L.A. They'd be running out of nails, thus making it a challenge to finish building that new NFL stadium. Yeah. McLovin, what did you learn today? Chris Mannix is keeping the order in waffle business alive. Seton O'Connor Jr. the third. Yeah, Chris Mannix, grown man, has waffles delivered to his house. He can't cook. Waffles. Who has waffles delivered? Anybody can make waffles. Waffles. Paulie, what did you learn? You and Fritzy have the same matching sweatsuit outfits today. You look like you're in some type of doomsday yeah. cult. I know. Uh, but too bad we never got around to that topic. Uh, I know. Looking sharp. Yep. Seton says, oh, looks like you've given up. And now you get it, don't you? Yep. Podcast One has some exciting news. It's official. Our shows are now available on Spotify. And it's free. We want to make it super easy for you and your friends to listen to our podcast. And joining Spotify allows us to be in even more places for fans to find us. If you're already listening to music on Spotify, you can now listen to our podcasts in the same place. If you're not on Spotify yet, all you have to do is download the free app. That's right. No credit card necessary. And simply search for our shows to start listening. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.